Welcome everyone to the next edition of Hailing Frequencies Open. My name is David and I'm once again joined by my fabulous co-hosts Mel and Carrie. Hello ladies. Hey. This week we are going to talk about the episode Up the Long Long Ladder or long one long two I don't remember. It's just one long ladder. Fine it's Up the Long Ladder. We open on the bridge of the Enterprise where we immediately see wharf at the tactical station and he looks like he's eaten bad fish or bad food or something he looks uncomfortable the gawk did not agree with him but before but before we can really focus on that picard arrives and summons Riker into the ready room there the captain talks about a meeting he's had with admiral moore he then shows Riker, the subject of the meeting, which is a series of sound pulses that have been transmitting for about a month. Riker, without having to really think about it, immediately goes, oh, that's a distress signal. I see. Um, (laughs) This is especially funny because Picard then says, oh, Starbase research took hours to make that decision. So clearly, Riker should not be second in command on the Enterprise. He should be in Starfleet research. He should be in command of the Titan right now. Not 10 years from now, like he's going to be right this second. I love it. Uh, he should. Take your command. <laughs> at this point, shockingly, apparently, Picard hasn't looked up what the distress signal is. He just wanted to talk to Riker about it. They then have it looked up by the computer. It's a European hegemony. It's a 22nd century alliance, uh, one of the earliest progressions towards a united Earth. So basically, the European Union, they can't find the ship. It doesn't seem to exist. So they're just like, all right, well, we got to go check it out. Do you, though? Yes, yes without, you do. Without more information? Because no. they just fucked off and went to the FICO sector. No, they well, they, they figured that well, Riker figured it out. That's basically the SOS. Like, we know there's people out there. Someone come help us. So they have to. No, you don't. They do something like this. They get themselves in trouble every single time. That's and the name of the game. What they're doing is whatever direction the, the SOS or the signal is coming from, they need to go in the opposite direction of that. Let it burn. <laughs> Let yes. it burn. Hey, it's like the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't know, we don't need no water. Let the mm -mm burn. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I haven't heard that in forever, right? So, off they go, you know, looking at stuff when they (laughs) emerge, when they emerge from the ready roof. Wharf is a collapse. Data has called sick bay, and they're just trying to get that all sorted once they come out of the door. Data doesn't call sick bay until he is squatting next to Wharf. Mm-hmm. He should have called sick bay immediately because presumably, when Riker left the bridge, Data went and sat in the captain's chair, which means that Data had to stand up and walk all the way up and around to Wharf because Data's not gonna hop over the comm panel he's not going to jump up on the captain's chair and hop over the comm panel or crawl under the comm panel to get to wharf he's going to walk around he might jog but still what he should have done is stood up as soon as he heard wharf hit the floor tap on his badge and been like medical emergency to the bridge then run around he waits until the captain and Riker make their exit so they could see that he did a good job so i guess he can get a cookie or something i don't know it's stupid 
Worf it, could be it, dead. <laughs> and Data's just taking his soul sweet android time. The hell is wrong with him? He knows better than that. He can recite the rules and regulations. So when we come back from the title sequence, we hear Captain's Log, Pulaski searching for the cause of his collapse. Uh, Worf is more annoyed than anything else and would like to leave as soon as possible. Pulaski won't let him, which is I'm fine with for this particular moment because she really needs, you know, a reason. But doing her medical duty, sure. she can't just release him without knowing if one, it's going to happen again or if he's contagious or, you know. I mean, to be fair, she could just release him. She's just choosing not to. She could, but that would be unethical. <laughs> so they go back and forth for a while. She's racist and a bigot. I think letting him go out of medical before she diagnoses him is the least of her unethical problems. <laughs> true. That is true. Eventually, the doctor tells Worf that he's connected. He's contracted Rap Nagor. Basically, Klingon measles. Worf is not happy. Because only it, children get that. <laughs> children. Uh, he also is super concerned about his image, which this continues throughout his entire time on the ship. It lessens a little bit when you get to like season seven of TNG and then ramps all the way back up again when he goes to Deep Space Nine, which is weird, but... Yeah, that was weird. That's a, that's a story for another day. If Worf lived now, he would have an alpha male podcast where he just constantly talked about how much of an alpha male he is and how much like women should just obey him. He'd be one of those guys. Fair, fair enough. Also, before she actually tells him what's wrong with him, she tells him that he, he fainted. And, and he's, he's super like, annoyed about that. Oh, yeah. Like, he's like, Klingons he's don't faint. faint. And she's like, well, you fainted. I mean, she could have <laughs> said he passed out. Right. She didn't have to say you fainted. She was just saying that to irritate him. But, like, he clearly fainted. And he clearly has, of course, he has a child's disease. He did not grow up around Klingons as a child. So he wouldn't necessarily have gotten all the child's diseases. If I don't think it's just. From Earth, and you put them in a bubble on the moon, they're not going to necessarily get like the normal childhood diseases like chickenpox. But the minute you bring them back within six months, they're probably going to have chickenpox. I also don't think that it's been established at this point that he, how his growing up manifested. At least not in enough detail to make it stick. Yeah, not enough detail, but he does mention Kittimer and like he was a child probably around like three years old mm -hmm. yeah so, so yeah he wouldn't be getting any um Klingon illnesses no. at that age so Picard asks what happens uh Pulaski says 
that uh, Worf miscalculated on a Klingon rite of fasting and he didn't decrease his physical activity while um, decreasing his caloric intake. Worf is very happy that she preserved his dignity. Meanwhile, Data is talking to Picard in the ready room, trying to figure out the unknown ship. Apparently the 22nd century was a rather tumultuous time. Record keeping is not great. Although they point out that someone had to have loaded the ship. And so Picard's like, oh, there should be a manifest on record. Sure enough, hundreds of years later, there is. <laughs> the ship they seek is the SS Mariposa. Loaded 2123, commanded by a Walter Granger and bound for the Phycos sector. However, the manifest has its own mysteries. There are two sets, two, two distinct sets of cargo. One is high-tech and expected cargo for a deep space colony. The other is spinning wheels and farm animals and stuff. Data has a theory that the tumultuous time prompted some people to revert to a simpler way of life. The neo-transcendentalist movement founded by Liam Deegan. However, they kind of, they can't 100% say that that's what it is. In appreciation of the apology for earlier, Worf treats Dr. Pulaski to the Klingon tea ceremony. I wish this would have been introduced later when they actually had writers that would have written this a little bit better because yeah. we don't truly understand, at least with this writing, the importance of this. Mm -hmm. Other than Pulaski saying, oh, I've never had someone do the tea, the tea ceremony with me. Uh, she also notes that the tea is lethal to humans. <laughs> and she decides that she wants to do it so she antidotes herself first so they can both drink the tea this is a this this sequence i very much like however i would have liked it more if knowing what i know going forward for the rest of this season and a little bit of next season they don't go into wharf stuff again for a while and to me this scene would have made more sense if they piggybacked off it to give you more info and more stuff about him which they just don't do but in and of itself it's a very heartfelt tender moment yeah it's a nice moment i do like in future seasons that they delve into more Klingon beliefs and rituals and things and they're better explained okay. than this one but I know Mel thinks that she should have just died <laughs> drinking that tea actually no I don't I am annoyed that she didn't get go get the the thing the antidote right away like it was right there. She just grabbed it. The thing that irritates me about this scene is she says, I've never had anyone perform the Klingon tea ceremony for me. And then she's the one who performs it. <laughs> he puts it down 
and then she takes the leaves and she puts the flat in the thing and then she puts the water in and it's like lady that's why nobody's performed because you take over everything you <laughs> have to be the star you have to be the citizen let him do it he's doing it to honor you and you're not even letting him do the honor stupid god i hate that woman so much <laughs> So when I come visit you guys, if, if you know what, I'm going to make you dinner. I am not then going to get up, get up and be like, here, David, let me cook the food. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep my happy ass in a chair and watch you make dinner. <laughs> cook faster. I'm hungry now. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you're you're not wrong. Yes, are there? But it's true. So it's like she just honored herself. <laughs> I'm so great, she says. So the Enterprise traces the distress signal to somewhere else. So the bring load system. Uh, the problem is soon apparent. However, the system's sun is undergoing major solar flare activity threatening the viability of the planet apparently that they were headed to which is bring load five they see no sign of technology other than orbital satellites that set off the signal automatically when the star became a threat the situation is apparently super complicated the flares are going to reach the planet in 3.6 hours Worf points out that they can only transport between flares and Troy is the smartest person of the bunch because she goes, these people don't have any technology. We can't just beam them here. Because it will present a problem. Oh, yeah, they might freak out. So Picard sends Riker by himself. Fine. Makes absolutely no sense. No. You always send a security officer. I understand why they don't send Worf. Yep. Freaky, but you, but he's not the only security officer. Right. So Riker reports the situation of the colony. There's approximately 200 people. They're all in good spirits, good condition, and they understand they have to leave. Riker points out that there is still an issue, though. Picard says, too bad, you have to show up now. And Riker then goes, all right, all of us are on the way. And that immediately becomes known when O'Brien, in the first batch, it's some people and farm animals. The look on his face. <laughs> and, the, and the transporter room is overrun with chickens. Oh, God, I love it. <laughs> okay. And all... <laughs> the fact that they sent Riker down there I'm going to assume he was down there for several hours and at some point communicated back with the, the ship and he never said they have farm animals there are pregnant people they have all of this stuff we're going to need a cargo bay. 
the fact that he waited until the last minute, he was like, oh, Captain, I need to tell you something. <laughs> also, the fact that Picard was... If your first officer says, I need to tell you something, you just don't ignore that and beam them up because he could have been saying, I'm being hostage. They're going to take over the ship. Don't beam anybody up. Just sacrifice me and run away. It's like they're the stupidest smart people in the universe. We've established this before, but it continues to be true. I, everybody at this point, everybody should be. Where's Wesley? He should be in charge. I think he's in uh, school finally. Let Wesley and Guinan run the ship. <laughs> well, the I mean, Wesley can do it. People. Yeah. I mean, they can do it. Listen, I'd watch that show. Mm-hmm. I would watch an episode where, you know, like, the secondary characters like took over everything. <laughs> this I is mean, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So as we're, you know, getting used to the fact that there's now wildlife on board. Oh. Uh or yeah. One thing. And they're all Irish. Yes, they are all very Irish, <laughs> which is, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. It's no. it's just a weird choice. I think it adds to uh, the comedic part of this episode. And then once we get to the next bit, it's a little iffy. You know what would have, you know what would have been really funny? if Picard had pretended, like, if the scene was Picard just did not understand what anybody was saying, and he turns to O'Brien, and he's like, translate. Because clearly O'Brien is of Irish descent. He is. He is indeed. Because <laughs> the, the other guy, his, funny. his accent it was pretty thick, so sometimes you're just like, um, what? <laughs> I didn't catch that. That would have been funny. I would have cackled. I would have cackled too. <laughs> so, so Riker is in the transporter room. Picard and Worf come walking down the hallway. A chicken escapes, and they're very confused. A young girl runs out, picks them up smiles and runs back inside. Picard walks in. He then meets the leader, Danilo Odell, who is very happy and pleased to meet O'Brien, who he initially says, oh, it's nice to know you're running the ship. O'Brien's like, uh, no. Hey, 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 secretly, yes, he is. Fair enough. Very true. Actually, O'Brien, Wesley, and Guinan. Those are the only three we need. Get rid of the rest of them. That's so, your dream team. They all do something. They all can do something that's very important to the ship. Wesley runs the ship. O'Brien helps to navigate and do basic like engineering stuff. And Dinan just advises because she's smart and she has the wisdom and the knowledge. The rest of them fools can go somewhere else. 
put them on shuttlecraft and let them slowly but surely make their way back to Earth. So, Picard's not really happy about all this. Riker then explains that they refuse to leave without the animals. So, Picard points out that, all right, everything needs to be sent to the cargo bay. They all get back on the pad. O'Brien sends them all to cargo hold seven. They finally make a tally. It's 223 refugees with two more just about to be delivered, not counting their livestock. Mm -hmm. Picard is like, all right, well, we'll take them to the nearest starbase and deal with it there <laughs> yeah pretty much uh Riker makes fun of him by being anachronistic uh the Briggles are eager he speculates they will probably be running this place before long suddenly the fire alarm goes off and it's because they just you know started a fire in the holdings <laughs> because logically <laughs> well no one told them about um no one the told them shit which is no the one problem told them at this point and here's the kicker when they do get to the uh, cargo bay they have to unlock it they locked them in so they all died of smoke of inhalation card <laughs> hates everyone mm-hmm. and you let's be, let's be let's be real real honest the last time they took on a bunch of unknowns onto the ship, one of them almost started a war with the Romulans. True. So of course Picard is going to lock this crazy group of people in a cargo hold and not let them out. <laughs> I mean, he learned a lesson finally. It was a stupid ass lesson, but that is the one he chose to learn. Right. So this is where things take a turn. So Dino is puzzled, but not really concerned about the force field and the fire and all that. However, we are then introduced to Brenna Odell. She is a, a what is fiery the fiery fiery lass. She is very upset and is uh, not thrilled about their uncertain terms. Picard is forced to laugh because he's just like, this is super absurd and crazy, and I don't really know how to react to this. Mm-hmm. However, Riker is a true gentleman because he's found a new woman who wants to, wants to have the sex. <laughs> Riker is a, Riker is a now to be fair like we've pointed out before he is not he does not mistreat anybody that he sleeps with no he does does there's no no, i'm not saying that you did there's consent involved dictate a lot of his decisions absolutely now this is one of the few cases though where from the jump the woman that he met is as horny for him as he is for her because she's ready. Yep. Like, I she's mean, just like, like, I'm in. In a colony of like 200 people, you know everyone and everybody's business. And mm-hmm. she's probably like, there is nobody here in this colony that I want to sleep with. 
No. And then Again. magically get beamed up and hey, here's an eligible bachelor. Right. Now, so Riker stays because he's going to show her the ship. We'll get to that in a second. Oh, no. Danilo... Her, her pickup line. <laughs> no. 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 Yes. Why are you saying no? I, go for it. He asked him. She pulls up her skirt just a little bit to expose her feet and says, Do you know where a girl can go wash her feet? Meaning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Meaning she wants to go to his quarters and have. Um, him or, anywhere. or anywhere. So here's the thing. She didn't. It's the meanest quarters anywhere. Anywhere. So, so there was a there was there was a screen in the room, and that would have been he could have said, "Let's wash your feet right here." So there's so there's a reason I was going to delay that, but that's fine. Before we get there, Danello, I would, like to, I would like to point out that um, washing your feet. Has a historic and biblical context. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yes, In yes. the Bible, when about people washing feet, they are talking about what she is talking about. So mm -hmm. if you didn't know that, that you can think of a passage where somebody washes somebody else's feet, that's what they're talking about. I can think of three right off the top of my head. <laughs> so the problem can. So Danilo catches up with Picard in the corridor and he forgot something. He's like, oh, anything about the other colony? And Picard's like, ah, there were two colonies. Mm -hmm. It is appalling that it took him this long to figure that out. Now, right. Like, this hey, is all the computers. Now, this is where it gets spicy because we come back from commercial and Riker took Brenna to his quarters. He did not show her the ship. Do do not try and lie to me that they did some peripheral. No. She says that it's a mess, and she insists on starting to clean it up. And they go back and forth a little bit, and then it starts to get sexy and smooth. And by this, she's the aggressor. She is so in. She is super in. Riker is being oddly tentative for him, but I, th I think he's just making sure that they're both on the same page. Yes. Because well, this is where like the chivalry and... Yeah, this and, is, and, and this is where oh, yeah. I think that line gets super funny because he's like, how does someone... Is there some sort of ritual to this? And she starts me? dropping layers of clothing and she goes, you generally start at the top and work your way down. And she also includes the line because he's a little tentative. She goes, what's the matter? Don't you like girls? And it's just <laughs> like, and I'm just like, man, this is Riker's dream woman. Like, why right? did she ever leave? <laughs> Can you well, I can tell you why she left. It's because she would not stand for Riker's bullshit. No, no, she wouldn't. Nope. She's like, uh, I have too many things going on. I also, there are 
there are over a thousand people on the ship. We're going to assume half of them are male, and then we will cut out a good 10% being child, uh, male children. The rest are male adults. She has a lot of men to go through. Until she meets data. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am programmed so, in several areas. Of so nature. they, yes. So they make out pretty passionately, which leads to the sex. We don't see that part because we don't need to, but that's where it went. Uh, back to cargo hold seven. Everyone else is down there, and they're trying to brew poutine, which is a traditional Irish whiskey. However, Dino is explaining to Worf they need fire. Uh, Worf mentions the replicator. Dino is reluctant because O'Brien offered him synthahol. Worf explains the replicators can make real alcohol instead and adjusts the nearest control panel to do so. So he orders whiskey, but it has no bite. So then Worf orders him a Klingon drink. Uh, which leads to a very amusing facial expression of him as he's trying to drink it. Uh, Brenna then bursts in. So apparently, this has either taken place long in the future or whatever liaison she and Riker had was super short. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and she's super pissed. So I'm guessing it's the f- it's the short version. Um, <laughs> and she's screaming at him about drinking, and they have to saying that the enterprise is saying that the children have to get educated with the ship's children. Mm-hmm. Brennan then yells at everybody to get back to work, and she even tells off Worf, which just more amuses him than anything else because he's just like, I'll throw you against the wall and break every bone in your body. I don't care one way or the other what you say to me. <laughs> That's the they, of they, woman. they arrive at the nearby system the enterprise is hailed the caller, the caller identifies himself as Wilson Granger a prime minister of Mariposa Data believes Wilson is a descendant of Walter the captain Wilson points out that this is not exactly true however he's ex- eager to establish ties with Earth after several centuries and invites them down planet side. Troy is super cautious. Uh, Riker goes, oh, well, I'll just go down and investigate. Hi, are you not listening? More the ladies. Team there might is, be more ladies. <laughs> right. Well, and there are. The way team is Riker, Worf, and Pulaski. They are visited by the planet's Minister of Health Victor Granger, and they note that he looks exactly like Wilson. They must, like, oh, oh, it must be twins. Twin. And then they turn around and go, oh, triplets. And it's three girls that look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And then a fourth comes down the hallway. Yep. Wilson, when they meet with him, confirms Pulaski's assumption the Mariposa had suffered a hole breach during landing, and only five people. Two women, three men survived, not enough to sustain the colony. 
However, they were all scientists and they found another way to survive cloning. Everyone is a clone of one of those five survivors, though through a combination of drug therapies and cultural taboos enforced over several generations. Uh, the idea of sexual intercourse is repugnant to them and they find it outdated. However, there's an issue with cloning, which is called replicative fading, which Replicate means which like means that each one is slightly less than the copy before, so they're slowly going to die out. Yes. And they will soon be unable to produce viable clones. Wilson then says, oh, we just need the Enterprise to donate DNA. <gasps> what? <laughs> Give us your DNA! <laughs> Picard points out that Riker's attitude is, yes, Mel, and this is the beginning of the end of this episode for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because this is where it takes a turn. A few minutes ago, I said, I said, Picard learned a lesson, but it was a stupid ass lesson to learn. Because I don't care that he locked the people in and he learned a lesson from the other people that he didn't lock in who almost started a war. I care because they have already encountered a dying planet with dying people who could no longer produce children or other versions of themselves who wanted something, AKA children from the enterprise to reinvigorate their people. And then you have a new group of people who want some of the enterprise DNA And instead of immediately beaming up the away team, they just leave them down there. (laughs) Like, nothing's gonna happen. Learn a lesson. They didn't, how do you not? They are so stupid. They're so, so stupid. So, this is where they. This is where Wesley and I should have dropped everybody off. They should have just said, "You know what? You guys stay with the planet. We're gonna take the Irish folk back to Earth. You guys stay. Riker can have sex with everyone on the planet because there's like ten of them, <laughs> and they could all be Riker children. There's more than enough he Riker clearly wants. He is clearly trying to." repopulate the entire galaxy by himself mm-hmm. just let him do it on the planet picard hates everyone so he'll go off a corner somewhere and just live his life as a hobbit. so here's the deal so Riker says no because he says that he's an individual and that cloning would diminish him in ways he cannot fathom picard points out that Riker's attitude is not unique and Wilson would be hard-pressed to get consent from anyone. Picard does agree, however, to help repair defective equipment, which is fine. I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. Hmm. <laughs> Pulaski there is, is. Pula- well, yes, Pul- the hell there is. Pulaski is curious about the fading effect. Uh, Ranger grants them permission to return to the surface, and she, he's hopeful she'll discover a solution scientists may have missed. And she's like, I doubt it. 
But the Riker they... and Pulaski actually go back to the planet. And Jordy. Uh, uh, and Jordy. But nothing happens to Jordy. Nope. Uh, racism. <laughs> what? You don't want my DNA? <laughs> you can have this silky voice and read people to sleep. <laughs> well, and I'm only kind of kidding. He was blind. Oh, right. He was blind. Was... Yeah, duh. Right. <laughs> But they don't do, but there's no, they don't do a good job of really explaining why they don't, you know. Take Jordy's DNA. Like, it could completely have been taken as they're racist. Yeah. Right, which is why I said it. I wasn't necessarily trying to be funny. It's just that that's how it comes across is they're just like, wait a minute, you didn't, you need new dna so my guess would be you need as many of them as possible why did you only get two? Oh, that was just a start yeah but you have a third one you already have a third one so you don't have to fight about it you just do it like because that's what they did take it you know and then put them in your machine (laughs) so they were so Riker and Pulaski report that the repairs are almost done. They are immediately shot and stunned mm-hmm. and dragged away. Unconscious. Also, what I don't understand is I mean, I I understand Pulaski going down there because she she's frustratingly irritating. But why do they listen? The last episode we reviewed, they sent their chief over and he got tortured and mm-hmm. held hostage for several hours you would think that they would have learned a lesson and not again sent their chief engineer when they have other engineers that they could have sent down there but nobody learns a lesson on this ship so again <laughs> they send three of their top officers mm-hmm. down to the surface of the planet there was yep. no reason for Riker to go back down there. No. no. They could have sent a team of engineers before. Mm-hmm. And a team of they medical. They would have been able to fix all very quickly because, yeah, well, Pulaski didn't want a team of medical people because she's so freaking, she feels so superior to everybody. She wanted to do it by herself. So <laughs> let them keep her. We don't need her. <laughs> we got other doctors. But so, there's no reason for Jordy and Riker to be there. No. So LaForge walks in. Granger says he hasn't seen them. So LaForge's like, all right. So eventually LaForge finds Riker and Pulaski back on the Enterprise. Uh, he wonders where they've been since he spoke, since he lied about their whereabouts. He knew they, and he knew he was lying because his visor reads beyond normal vision. And he's trained himself to detect the psychological signs of human lying. They figure out inconsistencies in the story. Pulaski scans Riker and LaForge and herself. She finds that she and Riker are missing some epithelial cells, intestinal, intestinal undifferentiated cells had been extracted from their stomachs without their knowledge. They then beam down 
directly to the cloning lab. Again, why is the forge here? I don't know. I don't two know why clones, two clones are incubating from their cells. Riker proceeds to destroy his clone and Pulaski's with her permission to the chagrin of the prime minister. And there is some yelling and screaming and he counters that desperation had forced their hand. They have a right to survive. Now, that's not necessarily true. Do, uh, do you have a right to survive? You have a right to try. You have a right to try, but they have just committed a crime. Uh, and they're, that's what they're trying to explain to them. But yeah, desperation does make people do stupid things. But if they wanted to preserve themselves, they could have figured out like they did before with all their drugs to suppress their sexual drive. They can probably make more drugs to up it. So, and I know there's only like technically two females in their right. whole colony, but I mean, it's a start. Right. So we're back on the Enterprise. Picard is considering their situation. Pulaski reports that the Wilson's concerns are valid. The DNA is going to be terminally gone in two or three generations. Riker insists on a full inspection of the cloning lab in case they have more tissue samples. Troy, of course, being the smartest one, goes, they're doing what anyone else would do in their situation. She's not wrong. No, she's, she's not. not wrong. However, Pulaski... It doesn't make it right, though. Pulaski says that providing fresh DNA to them will only stave off the replicating fighting for 15 generations. Mm -hmm. She says the only long-term situation is solution is breeding stock. Picard's like, great. Ding, ding. Also, <laughs> I know that they were desperate, but Pulaski's old. Mm-hmm. How and now they know that she is still. I mean, I know they're cloning and they're just gonna clone, but like, she's old. Mm -hmm. Why would you want the old one to clone? Yeah, that's true. It's just me. But now she suggests uh, pimping out the <laughs> the Brynloidians. Well, she, she, to her credit, she suggests it. However, they don't make them. No, they ask them. That's, and that's the thing. They asked. That's if the they were to say no. They would have left it. They would have left it that. So basically they're just like, oh, you know, if they can be convinced, you know, this could save both of them. Uh, Granger and Danilo O'Dell are brought in to discuss the merge in the observation lounge. It doesn't go well because Wilson looks down on them and they are not particularly impressed with them either. Picard points out that they might have to confiscate the cloning lab to inspect for stolen tissue samples. Wilson takes it as blackmail 
But Pulaski points out they're doomed anyway, lab or no lab. And so the colony, they'll be all be dead in 50 years. So. Yeah. Well, to me, it just makes sense for them to reunite since they were separated. Because, like, the Brinloidians know how to farm and they know how to raise livestock like good nutritious food and they are somewhat educated I assume that they can all read and write and do all that kind of stuff but they don't have any technological know-how except for the very basic stuff that they were left with so uh, they can teach each other how to do all those things well, so this is where this gets interesting. So Pulaski then tells the Bringlodia that they also have to change, that 30 couples are enough to ensure a healthy gene pool, though it would be better for the gene pool to be broader. So to encourage genetic diversity, polyamory is not only permitted, it's basically fucking required. <laughs> Everyone and must take at least three spouses. She then says every woman in the colony have to have a minimum of three children with a minimum of three different people. Danilo immediately goes, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> of course he is in. He's a dirty old man. Yeah. Wilson is not really sold. He's... Because um, Still, the idea of actual intercourse is ew to him and his people. They then go down to Cargo Hold 7, where the Bringlodia are currently residing. Wilson is genuinely taken aback, especially seeing a pregnant woman for the first time. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Brenna, sharp as ever, is wondering how this whole business will sort itself out. Uh, Picard then points out that he's the prime minister and she goes, oh, well, he moving up might not more be than two coins an idea. Together. Yep. <laughs> and that's literally the end of this episode. It ends there. Mm -hmm. It does. I'm just going to say it. This episode is ridiculous and dumb. It's dumb. Yeah. It's funny, but they're not saying anything here. Hmm. They're not covering so like if you wanted to make this episode about cloning and the yes and the no's and the all that other stuff, great. You should have done that. But you didn't. Because you didn't even cover it that much, other than Riker and Pulaski being pissed and destroying their clones, but you didn't really cover it. You hid behind the humor most of the episode and really went over the top with the stereotypes. And it, as Mel pointed out, it really falls apart once they got to Mariposa. Like, it's, it's not the same episode anymore. And you're kind of just left going, what am I watching? What is this? Watch the first half of it because it is genuinely amusing watching Riker and Brenna's interactions together. But don't watch the rest because the rest of it is, is super dumb. It's super dumb. It's a four. Like, it's, unoff it's unoffensively dumb, but it's dumb. 
All right, Mel, go for it. I don't want to. <laughs> like, All don't right. make me. All right, Carrie, you go for it then. <laughs> All righty. Uh, I think this episode, I think it's funny. I would give it, a, I mean, I'm going to give it a higher rating. I'm going to give it like about a six. Um, yeah, it's it's dumb, but it's funny dumb, the first half. It definitely feels like it could have been two separate um, episodes. Uh, just go with one or the other. Um, I would have been happy if they just focused more on the colony of 200 people and like what were they going to do with them like can they go back to earth do they want to go back to earth how would they be perceived and or would they just want to go back to a different planet and just colonize that and uh, be on their merry way to live their simple life and it's not like they have to worry about money or being hungry or poverty or anything like that if they go back to earth because apparently in the 24th century we've eradicated all of that and everybody's happy healthy and fed so yeah and as far as the cloning goes that could have just been explained a little bit better and had more of a uh, it could have been just like its own episode it's like yeah why would you want to mash the two together I mean it makes sense that they would need the Brynlodians to survive themselves or their next generation offspring like they'd still be technically around just in a child that can actually grow up and hopefully happy and healthy because I don't know what is going to happen when you know a non-clone and a clone get together and what their baby's going to be like and if their baby's going to suffer from anything because apparently the replicative phage is really really bad at this juncture in their cloning life but yeah I would give it a six some fairly well I think it's a fairly inoffensive episode and it's a little bit silly and everybody needs a good laugh every now and then Melanie <laughs> Do you still not wanna? Um, this episode is dumb. I don't care about it. I'm still mad at the writers for trying to force Pulaski down our throats in yet another episode. I'm still mad that the captain and the first officer haven't learned anything from previous experiences they're just putting around the galaxy being dumbasses um and yeah i'm tired of filler episodes 
So I will say this in my research on this episode, one thing that I did find is that in its original incarnation, the point of this episode was to be a commentary on immigration. Oh my God. <laughs> and <clears throat> due to budget cuts and editing. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear any excuses. <laughs> no 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 david i appreciate you doing research but no 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 we're uh -uh. i do not accept it because that's dumb a commentary on immigration (laughs) also so the writer no also there, there is no also there is an also. also this gets better the writer went to maurice hurley who was still leading the charge at this point mm-hmm. who is a, who is irish maurice and, is? yes uh, oh. and <laughs> was describing what she wanted to do and came up with analogy and said it was like a little village of irish tinkerers and he loved it so much that he then made her make the village of Irish tinkerers. Yeah. They, they basically made the guy a leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, they put, it was Darby O'Gill and the little people in space. All he really needed was like a pot of gold. All, that's all he needed is to carry like a pot of gold. And he was a leprechaun. Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just absolutely. So, I will say this: when it first came out, I'm so Maurice Hurley is that he was allowed to even write. So, I want to slap him. Can I slap? Is he still alive? Can I find him and slap the crap out of him? So, Ronald D. Moore, one of the famous writers that came on in season three has called this episode embarrassing and in 2012 called it terrible beyond terrible. Ouch. This episode was criticized by Irish Americans for presenting an overly stereotyped view of their culture. It was also criticized for the right to life people because they said when they destroyed the clones, that basically Star Trek was was saying that they were condoning abortion. Uh, uh, um, no. No. I'm See, so... I didn't get that from this episode. Oh. This, um, this, this is literally making me tired. It's making me want to... Yeah, yeah. Well, with all There's that... a whole other discussion that we could have on that but not today we can't not today like, we can do it another day but not, not today. today satan not today but that's all we have for this week tune in next week for another fun-filled episode and until then keep your hailing frequencies open good night good night bye